constant nonsense consumption We get a hero's tale, overcome, storyline and line, set to numb Work consume your spin that wheel, is that how all y'all feel? Uh, is that how hamsters feel? Give me your fucking money! Boom, baby Hey, did you know that it's time to do the podcast? <laughs> you know, I'm waiting on those motherfuckers since what, what, what day is today? Today's Tuesday? I've been waiting on yes. this thing. <laughs> Not in my la- head like they could hear me. Since last Wednesday. <laughs> touche, touche. I'm always a what's next motherfucker, dude. I just went to the studio on Sunday. Rob just finished mastering the first song of three today. Mm-hmm. And after I said badass song, dude, the next thing I was like, are you ready to do all talk? <laughs> Which is the next song I'm going to make. Max. And, uh. You know, he's like, I'm already on it, dude. <laughs> of course, of course. So, um, yeah, um, I'm after that thing. You also want to know something else? Mm. Um, my name is Ace Cannon. Mm. What's your name? Curious G. Hmm. Well, I was going to get to that thing in a second. Oh, we were just took, tickling the balls. I took, I, well, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, in case you guys didn't know, this show is all about being imperfectly human. Huh? We believe in censorship, but only self-censorship. So we're going to take on a lot of topics, but be respectful as we do. Mm-hmm. Is that about it for us? That's the brand? Yeah. Yeah, simple as that. Pretty much. Just natural conversations from two rappers that want to talk about some shit. Um, and today, do you remember what the topic is from last week? Uh, of course oh, not. Motherfucker, don't remember Of course not. I, I, see, as much as you're ready for on Wednesday or mm. Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I we, forget what we talked about Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So We got one that's a ninja. <laughs> And one's like a Wild West cowboy. <laughs> this motherfucker's a cowboy. Pop, 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 pop. Oh, shit. Okay. Let's go. And I'm, and I'm wearing a cowboy looking shirt right now. Let's go. You know, I'm going to say this. <laughs> this this is Henry David Throw. The price of anything is worth the amount of life that you exchange for it. Now. Damn, that's depressing for today. Ooh, why is that depressing, dude? It could what do you be, work for? It could be worth a lot. Could be. There you go. Obviously, I so, took it a negative right away. <laughs> so here's my question. How do you identify when you introduce yourself? Other than your name. I was like, my name's Anthony. It's nice Other to than you. your name. Oh, Ace. Who the fuck are yeah, you? Because that's not my name. No. Um, I mean, I would say that I'm an American. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm a Mexican. You you go up to other people here. I in the say country, hi, nice to meet you. Um, and you're like, I just want to let you know Mexican. I'm an American Mexican who's uh, second generation, so that makes me a Chicano. Um, if you don't know what that means or Latinx, if you have a few moments, I would like to uh, you know give you a small dissertation on the future of this country. You know, I I'm think I think that's interesting, dude. You're like motherfucker. I belong here. Yeah, this is me. Um, Tú quieres papel? Uh, you want the papers? I got those too. Yeah. Um, what color card we need? We play Uno. Draw one. Draw two. Which one? You want the green one? I got that too. You know? Oh, uh, see, I never even thought about that shit. I never had to worry about that shit. Oh, it must be that's, nice. That's what you call nice. the white privilege. Must be nice. Hmm. <laughs> must be nice, huh? WP winning points, huh? I, I guess I. You know, I'm trying to be all sneaky. I'm not good at sneaky. I was sneaky before, you know, but um, I've been too good for too long. Nah. If I do, if anyone asks me, real. I mean, obviously, I'll say my name, but I'm. I don't take any offense because some people do. About like, what race are you? What nationality are you? Mm. You know any of that stuff? I don't know. I always tell people like, you know, my family's from Mexico and I'm American. I mean, that would. Make I guess them... I meant to say, who are you? Oh well, I'm. I'm a hip hop soccer playing F1 watching rapper. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Two tone Tony touches. You know. See now that's okay. You know that's okay because that's a little bit different than a lot of. Uh, I think the natural thing. A lot of people introduce themselves and they pretty quickly go into what they do for a living. True. Okay. And last week we talked about labor and we're kind of diving back into that topic. Last week we kind of sat on the idea of right to work states and some of the laws and protections and all that. I remember now. Now it's all coming back to this <laughs> I remember motherfucker. Now. Um, <laughs> the, the role. You, I, that role was so hard. He's had his mind on some things now. <laughs> that I have. Um, that I have. So here's here's one of the things that that I think a lot of people do when they do introduce themselves is they go into what they do for a living. You're you're right. Um, I guess I was more. That's almost like the secondary follow up question. Mm. You know, like, yeah. hey, how you doing? So what do you do for a living? Right. You know, and it it is the it's the precedent of how you're going to take the rest of this conversation. Mm. 
Because all of a sudden when someone says, I'm a neuroscientist, you're like, really? That's crazy. Tell me something about that. You're going to have more questions than if someone says like, oh, I'm a cashier at McDonald's. That's true. You're not going to have as many questions because you're just like, oh, well, we all have been a cashier once. You know, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been a cashier before. You know, I mean, everyone, I've, I've never had to do that job and I'm glad <laughs> I've never had to do that job because there's some jobs that, that I don't think I could do. Um, and, and not to say that it's beneath me or any of that shit, but dude, I've worked in dangerous work my entire life with, you know, early in my life I was doing, I was doing, uh, you know, working in restaurants, right? I either that. waited tables, which isn't that dangerous to be honest with you. Um, but most of the time I was working for chefs and I mean, high end places. Right. And these motherfuckers are crazy. Yeah. Right. Crazy. Like knives came out fire and shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this shit's real. Oh yeah. So like I, I worked for a chef one time, like I, I had some good jobs in, in the past when I was doing this stuff. I worked for a chef that his next job, he became the head chef for the Tampa Bay bucks What? and had 1500 motherfuckers under him. Now, when he came to my town, this was his job before that job. When he came to my town, a front page article came out on chef Kevin. And I'm talking about front page, not front page in the food section. Front page for Daytona Beach News Journal. It was a big deal when Chef Kevin came to the town that I was at. Now, everybody that worked for Chef Kevin had a degree from like a good college or something like that, right? Like my, my roommate at the time, he had graduated from John Hopkins and had a degree for being a chef. And this motherfucker had cooked in some places and done some things. Me... I got a job there, but only because I sold really good mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what are your qualifications? These. These. <laughs> You're hired. Oh, he was a he was a deadhead, right? Yeah. And uh, he liked to follow fish or not fish, uh, the Grateful Dead around. But he was also a fish head, okay. so I should say that too. But you know, this was the dude, and um, but fire, knives, all that kind of shit, and now glass, right? High up spaces. <laughs> You know, so I've always worked in dangerous stuff, and I don't know if working behind a register would capture my attention, you know? Well, not now. Not now. Because you've done some things. I mean, you're saying the same thing. You think, I mean, I haven't lived nearly as crazy as a life as you, but mm. I wouldn't want to sit and take cash all day. But let me ask you this. Mm. For $150 an hour, would you take cash? Oh, yeah. Well, I could, I can, I can manage yeah. to... Uh, capture my thoughts on the fucking moment for that kind of Absolutely. money. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that can happen. Um, yeah, because I would work like two hours a day and I'd be done. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying there's, there's, because we, uh, we always, I always ask that. I go, so is this about the money or is it really about growth? Mm. We'll ask that question straight up, like in interviews, because people will be like, oh, I just want to find a place where I can grow. And I go, how much grow? $3 an hour grow? $30,000 a year grow? What are we talking? Because a lot of times when people are looking for work, this is totally off subject and some free info for you. A lot of the times what you really can do is just go talk to your boss. Because we're talking about like a couple dollars. Yeah. And you can do that with your boss. It's better to do that first before then change your whole life up. Think about that. And there you go. There's some advice from Ace Cannon. <laughs> so the reason why I bring up the identity and, and work and stuff like that. I think more uh, American workers get a sense of identity from the job, you know, as opposed to um, just saying what, what they do for a living. I think that there's a feeling of this is who I am. Um, you know, and some of, the, some of the statistics on this is American workers in households with higher annual incomes are more likely to receive a sense of identity from their jobs than necessarily the cashier, right? I got what you're saying. Like, yeah. like if you're a lawyer. I'm a doctor. Right. I'm a doctor. Right. It's like, yeah. Know, it's like the fact that you can say that. Oh, and they want to call, they, oh. they want you to call them doctor. Doctor? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we find identity and are identified by the work that we do, right? Um, and I, I was kind of trying to fish around how you identify I yourself. I understand what you're saying now. Okay. Okay. At first I was, I was like my name, that's how, but um, I try to stay away from those things for myself as mm. long as possible. Um, I don't, well, let me rephrase that. I'm situational based. If I'm going to be with a group of multimillionaires, I want them to know pretty quickly that I deal in an area of multimillion dollar companies. Um, if I'm talking with just my friends, yeah, I'll never bring up the fact of what I do. Mm. It's because they know me. 
you know, the job could be, they could give a fuck about what the job is. You know, they're just like, yeah, but you being an asshole, so I don't care. Mm. You know, or it's like, yeah, but that's my asshole, so whatever. So one of the things I'm kind of curious about, I remember this when I was in my 20s. Um, a dude that I knew, he was a, he was also a chef, actually. He was getting into, into his 60s, and he was about to retire. He didn't want to go. And he said to me, I don't know who I am if I'm not doing this. Yeah. You know? And I think that as we get older, that might be more true than when we're young. Right? Like if if you spend 40 years doing a fucking job, you know, uh-huh. and, and you spend a lot of your day doing it, uh-huh. that might be very true. So psychologists actually call this uh, uh, an enmeshment. Enmeshment? Yes. When you're enmeshed into a, uh, a lifestyle, right? It, it's, uh, it describes a situation where the boundaries between people or things become blurred, like the individual uh, that loses their identity because they do this type of work, right? A measurement prevents the development of stable and independent senses of self. Now, imagine if you're in, like, let's say you are in, uh, let's say marketing, right? And Uh you're like on that show, Mad Men, right? You're working all these crazy hours. And here in this country, I think one of the things that we see as a good work ethic is be willing to work extra hours, right? Am I wrong? To be... To be available <clears throat> when called upon. Fair enough. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like my job, they've been working overtime almost every Saturday for months, months and months and months. Have you seen me work a Saturday? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't think so. Uh-uh. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I've worked a lot of overtime in my life. When I was in Florida living in a right to work state, I worked 60, 70 hours a week all the time. Right. I was a single parent raising a little girl. I worked 40 hours in the glass field. I worked 20 hours waiting tables. And then I had a side hustle where I was cutting glass and fixing things on the side. Right. So just the, the clock in stuff was 60 hours a week. And then there was extra stuff. You know, and then I was doing things like trying to sell some weed, you know, <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to, to compensate, you know, these things. But it was like you worked, 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 worked because you were in a right to work state and you had the right to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many other rights, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right this way. <laughs> this is the position you're going to hold. Very good. You know Hopefully. what I mean? Um, you can wear this cap and put on this badge and here's the register, motherfucker. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, I think that, I think our identities get sometimes lost and, and I'm like you, when I introduce myself, I usually don't lead with what I do for a living. Yeah. If I do talk about anything, it's, it's rap music, the, 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 the art, the podcast, the art, I, I, yeah. I could go through a list of shit that I got going on. Yeah. You know? Well, <clears throat> so I actually have, so someone, I don't know where I heard this and I always, I've always, I think my life, my thought changed a little bit when I heard this because it said, if you identify, like if you took your job away from you, who are you? Who are you? Exactly. So it's it's like, okay, so you're getting your value from the job. Mm. So what happens when that job is taken away from you? Who are you? You know, and that's, I think you're great at that, Mm. you know, because you're very good at, you you don't really give a fuck what somebody does. You are, you're the janitor, the same way the CEO kind of guy. I'm very similar. I'll treat Mm. the janitor the same way as I do the CEO. It's just how I was raised. Mm. You know, you show respect, but you know, there's times where, you know, times it just gets like so much on yourself that you kind of, it's because I'm, I thought of bubbles is actually what I was thinking about when you were talking. And it's really easy to, you know, believe what you believe when you're in this little, this little bubble. And then comfort, comfort, comfort zone. Comfort zone. Mm. So it's why people always say like, like like-minded people hang out with like-minded people. It's because you're most likely going to hang out with people that agree with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why, cause I don't know, that's what we, that's like one of the themes of this podcast is tribalism. 
Well, yeah, know? that's one of the things we've talked about like, a lot. Many times, and, it's tribalism. And and I think I, I wrote a song recently. It's not going to be out for a little... Well, actually, it, it came out on my last album. Dude, this shit's happening fast. Uh, Nomad, right? And we'll get to this thing down the line, but Nomad deals with me being a, a free-thinking individual and not part of necessarily a tribe. I, I align myself with different tribes, you know? Um, I think I, I even did this in high school. Like I mentioned how I wrote rap songs and rock songs and punk songs for, for different groups. Well, I was also the kid that d- didn't have a group, right? I didn't have a group, right? Like in my school, surfers was the thing. I surfed, but I didn't just hang out with surfers. There was rednecks in my school. You know, I grew up when I was young doing some hunting and shit like that and in the woods. And we'd go out to the lakes and party and fucking all that shit. I came from the pines, man. And the pines, those were some fucking skinhead redneck motherfuckers. Yeah. Right? Skinhead, like Aryan Nation type motherfuckers, right? I knew them, didn't really share their beliefs, but I knew them. You know what I mean? Um, Then my black friends, because I came from an all-black school when I was in like elementary school and shit. You know what else? I knew all the fucking jocks, dude. You know why? Because I gave them the test answers. I say, look, motherfucker, I want my homework done. If you give me my homework, I'll give you the test answers. I had a good memory. I'd memorize everything. <laughs> and like my senior year, I missed one problem on one test. You know what I mean? So I'd give all the jocks the answers, hanging out with them, hanging out with these people over here, the, everybody. Everybody, I didn't give a fuck. My friends were out of school. They weren't in school. They were older than me. You know what I mean? I didn't. I wasn't a part of any tribe. But that was just kind of like by nature. Mm-hmm. When I got into my 20s, um, I was in college and we did this thing called the Who Am I portfolio. And it really made you look at who you were, right? I was in a program in college called Quantum. And uh, in the Quantum program, you had to do this big portfolio of who you were, your identity. But through the lens, you used literature and art, right? But through the lens of sociology, uh, psychology, humanities, right? So you took all these classes, but you got one grade. And it really made me think of who I was. And who I was boiled down to what I believed in. The things I believed in was who I was, not the things I did. And that gave me a sense of identity. But I think a lot of people get their sense of identity by the things that they do, not what they believe. Is that accurate in your experience? I think so. Yeah. My my best example is the word, well, I guess the minimalization of the word love mm. and the, I guess, like maxim, maximizing effect of the word hate. Mm. You know, I don't I don't say the word love unless I'm willing to die for it. I remember you saying that. And I'm, it's the fucking truth. You know, I occasionally will slip and I'll catch myself and be like, I don't love that. I like that. Same thing. I don't say hate unless I'm willing to die for it. You know, I mean, or vice versa or kill for it, you know, like or vice versa, you know, like die for my family. You know, I love my family, but like, I hate pedophiles. Mm. A pedophile touched my nephew. I'm catching a case. I'm catching a charge. Like it's that simple. You know, like that's just, I hate people who, Prey on innocence. Mm-hmm. Gets me so fucking furious, bro. It's like, mm-hmm. ugh, yeah. I don't. Even, I've never even experienced anything like that myself. But take it down a notch, there, but, killer. Bro, but like, I just have heard so many. That kids are the one thing where I just, bro. It's like the one thing that gets me because they're so innocent. And I'm like, you know, I've talked about my nephew so many times. Like, I love that boy to death, man. Like, I am willing to die for that kid. And we could definitely talk about that stuff on another on another day, but let's steer it back to the the labor issues because when it comes time to kill some motherfuckers, we'll do that when it, when it crosses that bridge, right? But for right now, there is a confluence uh, of high achievement in this country and intense competitiveness in the workplace, right? Um, a lot of us overtime o- overworked, and we think that that our jobs is so important to us to 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 make our our mark in this world right that it begins to the more we work it begins to shape our identity this is what psychologists say and we get a distorted view of our integrity um 
when we become enmeshed in labor and, and we eventually become burned out. A lot of people that get burned out begin to wonder like what their life's worth, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's one of the things like they, they have that midlife crisis type thing. You know, a lot of people feel that like I should be farther along than I am. You know, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, shit, I feel that way. <laughs> oh shit. I, did I touch a nerve? <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, you do every week. What you talking about? Mm. But you know, you know, I think we put a lot of stuff into business. That's how the world's ran. Business, business, biz- busyness, mm-hmm. busyness. Busyness keeps us busy. And that would be a factual statement. And you know, when we, like like what uh, Henry David Thoreau said, the price of anything is worth the amount of life that you exchange for it. You know, when we give so much of our time to work, we are making a price on our own life. When, when was that guy born? I don't remember, okay. to be honest with you. It was, be interesting to hear. It was one of the people that I've read some stuff from. Like 1800s, 19, in this century, 19? Do you, I mean, do you have I don't okay. have a general sense. Dude. Can you read that quote one more time? Yeah, the, pr- the price of anything is worth the amount of life that you exchange for it. That's I mean, pretty. I mean, spot on. He's, he's spot on, motherfucker. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's making a very general statement on a complicated issue, as we always say, um, mm. because it is, it's like, yeah, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Just die? Mm. You know, like, okay, I have to do these things to exchange. You say, at what point? Da-da-da-da. And it's just like, yeah, well then at what point is living the life that I want to live important? So it's not because I don't necessarily, because I want those things and don't need, you know, that's where things kind of get a little funny to me. And I, I think that some people have the freedom to set boundaries. And some people don't. Yeah. You know, and last week we kind of focused on the people that, that couldn't set boundaries. And I'd kind of like to bring up um, Simone Weil again, which is a philosopher that I've mentioned before. Um, she, she, at one point in time, when she graduated from the best philosophy school in the world, right, at, with the highest marks of her graduating class, by the way, and I think one of only two females to graduate at that time. Um, But she graduated from this prestigious school. And what she decided to do was to go and get a job working in a factory. You remember this conversation? (laughs) And one of the things that she did is she kept a journal uh, about her experience. And what she actually said is that, that the, the workers lived in a state of affliction, Right that one of the first things to go is we must surrender our thinking when she was working in these factories because it was monotonous. And what you were actually doing in this factory is you're fulfilling somebody else's goal, right? It's not your goal. You're making these mass-produced products that you have no emotional connection to. It doesn't take any skill to do what she was doing. So she said the first thing that she had to do is stop thinking when she was at work because it interfered with the production. You know, and I think there's a lot of jobs where we have to kind of turn off the thinking, you know. Um, Your job, you're allowed to think. (laughs) You know, you have some time that you can actually reflect and things like that. Have you ever had a job that you couldn't? Um, I don't think so. You know, and I don't, I, I don't think so to be, um, I've never had just a kind of, but like soccer camps where I'm just playing the same ball over and over and over and over and over again, but it's for a bigger picture, yeah. but I've never actually sat in like one fixed position and done something mm. labor wise, you know, day in and day out. Granted, I've like made a chair or like sand something down or done something like that, but never day in and day out. When I was real young, um, my first job ever was washing dishes. You know what I mean? Like washing dishes. And there was no, it didn't, wasn't really taxing upon the mind. But you did have to kind of keep up with shit and focus on what the fuck you was doing. But even though we were, um, 
there was four dishwashers in this place, right? Like it was, it was a big place. <laughs> That's a big place. Oh, it was. So th- this, this was, there was two fine dining places in, in Daytona and this was one of them. And people like Tom Cruise used to come to this motherfucker and John Travolta because they both had houses in the area, right? Um, all the NASCAR drivers, right? All the people from Harley Davidson. Um, it, it had big, big people that came in there. You know what I mean? Like uh, the Rockefeller family was the one that really brought Daytona on the map, even though a lot of people don't realize that he had um, a very rare lung disease and had moved into Ormond Beach and opened up the Ormond Hotel. And because of his lung disease, this is kind of where he set up camp, right? It had, according to his doctors, the the second best air quality in the world, mm-hmm. right? So there was some big money people in the city of Daytona, even though Daytona was always kind of small, but he kept it small, right? And this restaurant here, um, it was fine dining. It was nice, four dishwashers on a Friday or Saturday night, you know what I mean? But one thing we were able to do is we were able to crank our music, you know, we had our little Van Halen and Iron Maiden going back in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was about the only individuality we could get. You know, um, I haven't had too many jobs where individuality had to go out the door. But I, I know that there's a lot of people that do have those jobs. You know, um, I've had stepkids, stepdaughters that have worked some of those jobs. Right. Um, I had a stepdaughter that worked at, uh, you know, retail. You know, you're not going to do a lot of thinking in those jobs. You know, I have had a retail job, I guess maybe one. Now that I think of American Eagle was my first job. So. So what happens is there becomes a a state of spiritual malaise, according to uh, that philosopher, Simone. Um, And malaise is a general feeling of discomfort and illness or uneasiness, uh, which the exact cause we can't really identify. You know, we just feel like, fuck, you know, <laughs> something's wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way in, in our society today, you know? And I think it's because we spend so much time working in jobs that we don't really believe in or want to do. It's just how we get our paycheck. Huh. Yeah. You know? I I was just talking about this today, like not this way, but, you know, it's it's very rare, like very rare that people really enjoy what they're doing. Mm. You know, and it's just like, and I, dude, that whole at what cost thing, that shit's real. Mm-hmm. Like, the more I think about it, it's like, yeah. And now I give such props to like my boss who's like, five o'clock, hard shut off. Mm. He's like, go home. We can figure it out tomorrow. And I, you know, give props to that. Um, yeah. In Canada, the, the couple of years that I was up there, I was amazed at how much more we work compared to the Canadian. That's one thing that shocked me too when you told me that the first time. 32 hours a week, yeah. right? I went to the bank on a Friday one time at like three o'clock there and they just closed the door and locked it. I was like, what the fuck y'all doing? Because their, their work day is done. They work 32 hours a week. They're not going to be working at six o'clock on a Friday night. You know what I mean? And then on Saturday, like they're open for like four hours or three hours or some crazy thing. Like I'm like, really? And you guys went back Monday? <laughs> you know, here we're we're 24 hours a day at a lot of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, but they're 32 hours a week, and on top of it all, they get like a lot of vacation. They take out like six or seven percent out of everybody's paycheck, right? So that you could have time off for vacation. So you get the same paycheck when you take time off. Like like Lynn would get two months a year off paid. Two months. Between vacation pay, right? Um, the personal days that she would get, sick, sick days. And if you don't use them, you lose them kind of a thing, right? But two months, 32 hours a week. Plus, you get the same paychecks for two months out of the year. You know, we're working ourselves to death here. And this is most of the world, most of the developed world. And these countries like Canada and over there in France and all these places, um, we have twice the poverty levels that these countries have. Twice the poverty levels here in America. You know what the taxes are there? 
they're high. Because isn't France like one of the highest in the world? Uh, I don't know about France, but I know I know in, in Canada the, the taxes are high. But I can tell you this from somebody that lived there and saw the way the people live, right, and what their tax dollars do, right? They've got it pretty good. I believe. They've got it pretty good. Um, so some of the things that's higher taxed, like when you buy alcohol, when you buy cigarettes, when you buy gas, all that's a privilege, Right. But here's the thing is cigarettes is going to do damage to the body and they have free health care. So it helps to offset the costs there. Same thing with alcohol and gas. It's more of an environmental thing. So those higher uh, taxes that you're paying, it's going to offset some of the damage that's being done to either the environment sense. or your bodies. Hmm. You know, makes perfect sense. Yeah. So there's, there's reasons for all that and the lives that they have pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, but here we work a lot. Yeah. A lot. I'm, I'm like the anti-overtime guy. I tell everyone, don't work overtime. I well, know you, I know you think it's going to help you. Does it? Not really. <laughs> Not really. You you end up, I think it's funny when people work 50 hours a week and then their paychecks are only like $3 more. It's like, yeah, bro, you just went to the next tax bracket. Mm. Don't work overtime. But again, just my opinion. You know, just talking about this state of malaise, right? Mm-hmm. Not only does the type of work that we do create uh, like an identity issues, like we, we, we kind of lose our, our sense of self sometimes. Um, but how often do people become a means to an end where we lose sight of our own humanity or the in individual's humanity that's performing a service we need, right? Have you ever looked across at that person that you need them to do whatever work that they're doing? Like you're standing in front of the insurance people. And you fail to see them as a human with, with feelings, emotions, family problems, all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Does this? Yeah. Well, I, I, I live, I work in the world of people. Mm. Happens every day. <laughs> you know, I mean, something's always happening and we're, we're bad. And I know that I am immune to something sometimes because it sounds so bad, but like, that's still our product. Mm. is people, mm. you know? So sometimes there's, when you have just like a can of soda, there's no intrinsic, you know, there's nothing else in there besides it's just a soda. But when you have somebody who's a complex, like, yeah, some things happen. You know, if people won't show up to interviews or something and I'll, I like actually won't call them back. But if they call me back and was like, I was just in a car accident, bro. I'm like, okay, like that's understandable. Let's find another time. But for us, you know, a lot of it, we just kind of, it's so crazy how quickly I can toss a resume. And like, that's a person, bro. Yeah. That's a person. Like they have a life. They, right. I don't, I don't think past that first level. And this is what I'm saying. We're losing it, our humanity. But it happens. Like, bro, yeah. um, when I worked at the assisted living facility, people dying, you know, let's put a blanket over them, stretch your beer in a couple hours. Yeah. It is what it is. Just We're don't, missing something. Yeah. It, it is. Malaise, malaise, dude. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what did what did Simone say? A state of spiritual malaise. Malaise is a general feeling of discomfort, illness, or uneasiness whose exact cause is difficult to identify. But here's the thing. If we're if we're not being fulfilled in our work, right? Although our identity is heavily tied to what we do, right? We still need to fill up ourselves somehow. In this world of mass production, we've also led to mass consumption. And yes. this is usually where we kind of get our fulfillment is the things that we consume, this consumption culture that <clears throat> feeds that state of malaise, right? But how many of our products are just as empty as the work that we do? <clears throat> I think that it's exactly what we talked about week in and week out. You know, it's just the new version of the same old thing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm coughing off a sudden. <coughs> I apologize. You get that state of malaise, man? <coughs> Just so, man. Malaise. My throat's being all malaise right now. Oh, God. Malaise. <coughs> malaise. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, and as, as we become, you know, more and more enclosed inside, as things become more expensive, it's just going to keep going more and more and more. Have you, okay. Have you seen Free Guy? No. Okay. It's not a. It's an average movie. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is a fun movie. You know? Okay. So it's a, it's a. I like that dude. He's funny. Is, is this, it's, it's been out for like four years. Is this spoiler alert time? Should I? I think you can tell anybody any goddamn thing. That's if, right, they man. They can fast forward 30 seconds. That's true. Well, anyways, you put on these glasses and all of a sudden you see all these advertisements. 
advertisements and he's living in the world just happy go lucky doesn't realize he's in a video game mm. and uh he is and sometimes i think about that like bro how far are we from the glasses when we're walking around outside and you pretty can, close like i think of like pokemon go how you're already starting to get like points like what if there's like a life point game mm. it's like yo who's gonna find this it's like it reminds me of ready player one find the three keys and you run this shit well that's <laughs> that's what they're gonna call mixed reality where you get a little bit of reality through the glasses but then you get this mixture of what is on the screen. That's yeah. mixed reality. Yeah, that's that's what's coming. Um. <laughs> one of the one of the things in the book that they don't talk about in the movie is the smell vision, smell zone. Oh, yeah. And what they would have is the advertisement would occasionally like you know Pizza Hut would go through your your nose while mm -hmm. you're running down the street, and all of a sudden a sign would come up. Hey, would you like to order Pizza Hut? You press the button and it comes straight to your door. Dude, they're gonna get sneaky with this advertisement <laughs> yeah, stuff. Oh, it's crazy. But I think one of the issues that we have with this mass consumption is, is we have a state of abundance of everything. We literally have so much of, of everything. State everything. of abundance, yeah. How many shoes you got? We don't have to talk about that. How many shoes you really you want to know? I, I want to know. You don't know how many shoes you got. I do know how many shoes I got. Do you? How many pairs of shoes you got? If you, I... You don't 52. know. You, you yeah, got 52. That bitch came out the closet with 52. It's at least 52. That bitch has got 104 <laughs> shoes. Don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. We have an abundance of everything. <laughs> nah, man. Nah. What are you talking about? If you got the cash. That's the catch. Mm. If you got the catch. Now, we have a distorted view of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Through what we see is available. Right, So no matter what it is, we have endless options of pleasure that you can have at any moment. Anything, anything, if you got the cash, if you got the cash. Think about like the television we watch and the women we see and the dudes we see and the versions of love and romance novels, right? We have this distorted view of what life is supposed to be like. We have the abundance <laughs> of everything, if you got the cash. If you got the cash. If you got the cash. And what do we try to do? We try to work, make it, cut corners. We do all these things to try to find this fulfillment, to fill up this state of malaise, hmm. right? But you know what happens? You spend your money and you better go back to work, motherfucker, because what you are just bought, that costs. <laughs> I have a running joke where I go, if I didn't want anything, I wouldn't work. Mm. It's like a joke I make with my mom all the time because she's like, bro, you don't need nothing else, dog. <laughs> but I'm like, if I didn't want anything else, I wouldn't work. Granted, that's why I got some new Legos. Time is money. That's right. Time is money. That's right. And we could do anything we want with our time. If you got, got the, the cash. cash. Ooh, that's powerful. Uh-huh. That's powerful. Well, you sure you can buy that motherfucker, but get back to work to pay for it. I'll be there Monday. Mm. I'll be there Monday. So this is our economic plan in motion. We extract resources from the earth. We produce products, distribute products, consume products, and then dispose of the remains <laughs> quickly, right? 52 pairs of shoes. You know what I mean? 52 pairs of shoes. That's resources coming out of the earth. Now, I'm just as guilty as you. You know, clothing does some of the fucking most damage of the products that we actually get. If you ever look at some of the dyes that go into the water in the areas where they're making these fucking clothes, it's horrendous, which is why... They make it in other countries. So we don't have to see it. <laughs> you know, but it, time is money. And how quickly do we spend the value of our time? Think about that. Not just the money we have, but we put valuable time into this work that we do. 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. This is who I am. I'm a glazer. Right, this is who I am, but I got good brands. You know, I got fresh ass shoes. You know, state of malaise, consumption. The price of anything is worth the amount of life that you exchange for it. Henry David Thoreau. He also said, "Now I'm gonna bring out a second quote from." I don't book. like this guy, man. Self. Okay. Self-imposed slavery can flow from mindlessly dedicating one's life to the never-ending pursuit of nice things. 
That motherfucker, dude. Man, this guy's stupid. <laughs> that guy is stupid. Shit, bro. I'm gonna go happily sleep on my nice sheets. No, I'm just joking, get all angry. I'm gonna go sit in my gold robe. No, but I mean he's right though. Now, last yeah, week we right. kind of talked about the kind of work we do and the rights that surround our our and the labor and the laws and all this and that. But this week I wanted to t- turn around to something a little bit different, you know, and, and it is that identity. And I think that that we got to stop identifying with just what we do. Um, I think some of the identity that we could have is to actually care for the fucking place that we live, this planet that we live in. And one of the biggest things that we spend our money on in this fucking society we live in is food. Think about how much we put into food, going out to eat. You know what I mean? All this stuff, right? We have food around us all the time. Now, throughout history, I got, I got a motherfucking bag of cherries sitting right there. <laughs> Right? Bag of cherries right there. <laughs> just, just cherry season just, here in Washington, and we up in some cherries. <laughs> right? I got the cherry bombs coming out right now. <laughs> right? But the point is, is we got food all around us. Throughout most of human history, that wasn't the case. They couldn't just eat any time that they wanted. Right? Yeah. We got food in the cabinets. We got food in the car. We got food at the job. I bet you got food at your job. Yeah. I mean, we have a, yes. Right? We have a kitchen. Yeah, now, so all like- of that food... Most of it isn't coming from local. <coughs> no, <clears throat> for sure. Or driving it a long way, burning up some gas, right? Resources, resources. And one of the things we talked about recently was how we could hydroponically grow food locally, all different types of food that's not exposed to the outside, that's not exposed to the pests, so it's not exposed to the pesticides where we're putting these poisons in our body. And we don't have to drive it all over the fucking world. Right. One of, this, one of the reasons why we do this shit is because it's making a lot of money. A lot of people. Yeah. We take resources. We distribute resources. We eat the shit, dispose of it. You know what I mean? It's just like this never ending cycle. But at what point are we going to be smarter about the work that we do? <sighs> Once it makes profit for somebody else. I mean, that's the funniest thing that's, about it. That's, that's what I mean. Like, that's so horrible, but that's like... Nothing changes unless it's profitable for somebody. This is what Simone so said. She said, we're crazy. working in these factories, bringing somebody else's vision, right? Fulfilling the ends for their means. I had a venture capitalist that I used to work for. And he said the saddest thing that he ever saw was people never actually going towards their dreams. Mm. And he goes, he goes, they did everything except actually do it. Mm. He goes, you know how sad that is to me with someone who's an entrepreneur? that wants to see people do well because it's this worst day, but also the best day because I'm about to become a multimillionaire off his idea. You know, like to, he would, he'd be like, it's sad, but this is the job I'm in. Mm. You know, if they don't have the funds to do it, we're They sold their idea to us. We're going to use it. And I was like, that's business is ruthless. Dude, it is busyness. <clears throat> busyness. Busyness. Is ruthless. busyness. You went to business school, right? I did. Okay. Um, you know what school means? School. Yeah. I mean, no, not directly. So it was a Greek word. I mean, I assumed it was. It means Latin. quiet, <laughs> contemplative thought. <laughs> That's funny. Business school, business, busyness, quiet, contemplative thought. It's like an oxymoron, mm-hmm. right? Was anything quiet and contemplative about your school experience? So I have a unique school um, mm. where classrooms were boardrooms. Um, and your job wasn't like my teacher used to say, your job isn't to know the textbook definition. You can hire somebody to do that. Your job is to understand how principles can get you out of situations. Mm. What do you have to do? What are the steps that you need to take? How do we break this down so you can become successful within the outcome? And then that's how it is. And that's how I, that's blessed. Like all these things where I don't realize at the time that's happening, I didn't realize like my analytical thinking at Menlo is actually what is very beneficial for my job now. Mm. No, so it's just like, do your due diligence and you're going to be good. And Menlo was very similar because it was long projects, small class size. Like it was not, I, it's another lucky thing that just happened, you know, that I didn't realize until now. But yeah, man, it's not normal that 15 kids are in your class. Or the CEO of Levi Strauss is coming to just give you a, a lecture today. You know, mm. someone from Nike head marketing is going to come talk to you today and, you just never, You've been lucky in a lot of ways, dude. dude your right? whole life, dude. You're just a lucky motherfucker, right? 
my mom would say as being very religious is just like, no, I'm extremely blessed. Mm. Like God had a plan for me. And that's why sometimes I get so angry at myself. Cause like I, I've, I've read into that, mm. you know, it's like, yo, you can, you're, you, you have all the skills to do something great. So then if I don't do something great in my head, did I accomplish anything? What's great? Da, 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 da. Those are all my existential questions that I have for myself, but it's a, it's a, that's a long answer to a no. <laughs> you know, Sorry. and I, I think one of the things about this identity, and we spent a lot of time talking about this last week when it came to the work that we do, how it robs a lot of people from being a part of a we the people form of government. Right. And it kind of surprised me when I asked you who you were and you identified as an American first. I was like, oh, shit, because <laughs> because I didn't think that most people were going to do that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think a lot of in a lot of ways, we as Americans have lost our sense of identity. We have become uh, blue, red or none of the above. That is an identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that that's a platform. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a platform that never seems to change. You know, and people are a little bit more complicated than that. If if you actually talk to most people, most people have things that they relate to on both sides. Absolutely. And if you really get down deeper and to talk about things like this food thing, right? Like like growing food hydroponically, those aren't options that anybody even has like on their radar. Why? Because the conversations that we have are dominated by shit like abortion and guns and fucking religion. You know what I mean? Or what news stories on. Or what news stories on. What's new today. Yeah. You know? It's hamsters on the wheel. Yeah. Go to work, make some shit, get off work, consume, go back to fucking work. And in between, talk about this. <laughs> I just thought about a scene from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. <laughs> That hamsters. Girl, that girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just thought about that. We're hamsters on the wheel. And I even asked, so this week I, I we're focusing on this song called Gobble, which has to do with mass consumption in and working and everything we've been talking about, right? And one of the one of the questions is, is how does it feel? Or like a hamster on a wheel. Like I, I bring that out in the song. And I think it's very, very true, you know? And um, at the end of the song, like I, I bring up the idea of right this way, your right to become a slave, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, today, liberty is on my mind, like liberty, to be able to f be free, right? But if in America, if we have freedom and we're not using it, we're not actively being an American to actually move this country in a better direction. We're just going whichever way the wind blows by the leaders we have. Right? Are we truly free? You know what I thought you were going to say? Hmm. I said, if you lose the free, you sure are dumb. Oh, Jesus. I thought you were coming with that bomb. No, no, no. I wasn't going <laughs> to drop the bomb on yeah. the motherfuckers. <laughs> Sorry. No, we still got that dumb motherfucker listening to us. We don't want to make him feel bad. Oh, hey, you can do it, buddy. <laughs> Just don't give up. And for you out there, you can too. But the reality is, is, you know, we have freedom. Do we use it? <clears throat> most of us, I'd say most people I talk to don't like the direction the country's going. I would, I would agree with that. The majority of Americans, I feel, do not like the way the country is going, and we feel powerless to do something about it. When the reality is, is we have all the power, Yeah. but we believe we don't. We're in a state of spiritual malaise. Oh, I know. Isn't it crazy? <sighs> Truth of power, baby. Can't wait Listen, to do this. can't wait to do this. Share. <laughs> Listen, share. These songs, these topics, they need to be a part of our conversation. These conversations could continue outside of coffee shops. <laughs> Remember, to get to three, you had to get to two. Mm. Then three, four, five, six. Tell your friends. Mm. If some of these things interest you, bring it up. It's like the only way that this stuff is going to be brought into mainstream media is if people that consume for the mainstream start using their voices and start actually understanding that if we stood up, the whole table would flip over dog. You know, in these, these songs, um, I ain't going to say that they're, they're the best songs that have ever been written in the world, but I think I've got a few things to say in these songs. And I think that they have some value 
So I'm about to release my fifth album here in about a week, two weeks, something like that. Um, and right now in this podcast, we've only cracked the surface of the third album. Which is wild. Which is wild. So we've got some topics. We've got some things coming down the pike. Mm. <laughs> Turnpike. No, no, no. That's actually <laughs> my friend Koski, who is never going to get on those fucking podcasts because he can't take the time to drive halfway across town. Um, he actually educated me what the coming down the pike was. We talked about it on this podcast. We did, but we we looked it up on our phones and we talked about like the 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 turnpike coming down the turnpike. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was this fucking uh, this thing that stabbed people <laughs> through their bodies. They would like put them up on a pike. Well, that's the pike. Yeah, yeah. they would put them up on a pike, and when they started, Game they started shit. to come down the pike. Yeah, yeah, it's kind fair, of a violent fair, thing. Fair enough. Yeah, but I think that's the. He's right, but Turnpike is also right. <sighs> it is, man. What are you talking about? Well. It's just like it's two it's two different meanings you're talking about. I guess we just don't know how to identify none of this shit. I guess so. I identify as right, so anyways, I think we need to wrap this motherfucker up. <laughs> and we already got a little bit into the next week's topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it's really hard to separate um labor issues from educational issues. Because before we ever got to show up on a job, a lot of us identified as students. And that was our identity for a long time. Um, But here's one of the questions. I'm going to ask it early. I'm going to actually let you think about this until next week. Um, Does school prepare us to identify as serving a system? You can think about that shit and give me a deeper answer than yes. No, I was a no. Oh, no? Okay. Well, I'm going to challenge that motherfucker next week. Good. Mm. I'll be here. All right. This is my man. Ace Cannon. This is Curious G. Bread and water war of our will get yours. Money makes a price out of everyone's life. Standing on the streets with these words like a knife. Money makes a price out of everyone's life. Standing on the street with words like a knife. Here is mine. Let me define. My territory has got line. We are bound to earth and the terms of life. In breath and dirt, work side by side. A sea, but not the shades of that life. Yeah, money has got us all pulling out knives to climb that new kind of jungle climb. Separate and turn on that family tree. Where love's fruit may have died. We feast on one another in this fight. For that piece of cake, make me whole pie. Don't you know money can't buy one more breath? In this life, damn that point struck like a knife. I got that deep cut kind of mind. Standing on the streets with these words like a knife. And I ain't no man be pandy. Now all of you skunks clear out of here. My, weren't there a lot of skunks in here? There was madness in any direction. At any hour. You could strike sparks anywhere. You're on thin fucking ice, my pedigree chums. And I shall be under it when it breaks. So I actually wanted to talk to you about this because you're the only one of all of us that right now currently has a very young child at home. Um, Right. So, you know, I haven't dealt with the world as it is today. I dealt with the world as it was when, when I was raising my daughter and, and the price of childcare, which I think you haven't really had to deal with. Am I right? Not yet. No, 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 no. Not yet. Do you know what it is? Um, not off the top, but I've heard it's like four to $500 a week and stuff like that for daycare. And oh, stuff it's like insane. That. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, no, insane. I have, we, I haven't crossed that bridge quite yet. My son is just about to hit a year and a half ish. And my question is, is, is why is it so expensive for parents these days here in America when you're trying to work and support a family? It's, it, it puts so much pressure on the family, right? We want to have parents that are parenting, right? Absolutely. That's a, that's a good question. Um, maybe we can ask Uncle Sam. Maybe he can give us that answer. But man, he's always giving us the cold shoulder anytime we ask like the serious questions. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because... Um, our teachers in this country are grossly unpaid, um, or underpaid, I mean, and maybe 
the people that are qualified to run these daycare centers or these learning centers, or even, even, uh, I'm sure they have babysitter apps now. It's not even word of mouth anymore, Sean. I'm positive about it. You know what I mean? Maybe the qualifications are a little more strict now, I imagine. Um, and with that comes gross inflation as with everything. Well, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, you know, my ex-wife, she actually won, um, both woman of the year and humanitarian of the year. And one of the times that she won one of those awards, it was because she uncovered mm -hmm. a pedophile ring and they were actually using daycares as like the thing that, that was getting access to children. Um, Jesus. And I can't give out any of the information as to like the specifics of that. But right. what I can say is that she had a couple of questions that didn't seem right and, and dug in a little further. And what it turned out to be, it was a grandmother of a pedophile that had opened up this daycare. You know? And was that here in the It was the in States? the state of Washington. It was here in the state no of Washington. No fucking shit. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And this was some years ago, but um, it was significant. Um she she actually asked a couple of questions and um, it brought the FBI to become interested and get involved and that was when it was uncovered, you know. So, um, what, what's interesting was this was this like <clears throat> daycare per se? Was it like at someone's house or was it like a professional? To be like, honest with you, I, she didn't you know? give me any information other than what right. I no, just I, I 100 said get it. because get it. she really couldn't. But like she confided in me to that point, you know what I mean? Um, you know, <laughs> as far as why she was getting some some recognition that she was, you know. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any of the facts, and I honestly didn't want to have any of the facts. No, I I I fucking hate hearing about shit like that. It's just fucking awful. Um, I would say um, we haven't even brought that up. But when you're like, you know, why is childcare so expensive? And when we're already working, we're already trying to provide, and you already don't have this amount of X amount of time to hang out with the family like we really should be doing as human beings. Um, shit like that, stories like that, that one in particular, make me not want to fucking drop my son off uh, to somebody else, like, unless I fucking really, really, really know them, because there's some fucking sickos out there, Sean. And, and I think I, there is. And I don't want to derail this conversation with, with that topic, because it's a strong topic, sure. But, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that we do in our society is we pay people to take care of our children. Um, For sure. There was a concept that somebody put out a while ago. They called it the acoustic disturbance. And this was the concept is you go back 150 years ago, children were learning language from the mother and the father and the human voice. Right. Right. So we got our grasp of language that way. Our generations, we heard more language through television and radio and things like that. Artificial sounds right. that also wasn't just human, not human, but it was... Um, uh, missing, you know, love. And, you know, if you look at the kids today that are being raised in these daycares and things like that, we can pay somebody to take care of our child's needs. And even if they take right. care of them well, which I, I imagine a lot of them do, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, are they going to love that child? <laughs> you know? No. Um, it's interesting. I would like to see like a counter statistic to that if possible. Um, when you're talking about Year many years ago, they would learn language from their parents, and then as you grew up, you'd learn language from the radio, I imagine. And then I, as I grew up, I learned it from the TV because that was when cable was like in everything in the nineties. Yeah. And then as Liam grows up, now we have tablets and phones and all that shit, and they're hearing it from everywhere. You know, oh. language. I wonder if if it's actually um, enhanced critical thinking or lowered it because if you're strictly relying on your parents is love to learn or whatever. What if you don't have good parents? Well, it, it's, it's gotta be lowering it because like one of the th statistics I heard when, um, I was, uh, raising Gala when she was very young was that, mm -hmm. that, uh, children in the first year on the planet are exposed to 30,000 murders on television, just in their peripheral view. Like just, <laughs> just having a television on. Just, yeah, no, you know that I mean? makes sense. And subconsciously, so, you may not think that they're like, oh, they can't process that, but subconsciously, they oh, are. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? gunfire, yeah. screaming, shit, that gra grabs my attention, you know, and yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure it does for, for babies. Violent sounds, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, you yeah, know, I don't, I don't want to go too much into television and all that, but we're, we're more okay with violence in television than we are the naked body. 
you know? Right. And, and this is some of the stuff that kids grow up seeing a lot of is not just getting language, uh, through television, but, um, being cared for by people that's being paid to take care of them. Right. And there isn't a lot of love. And we, we look at the kids today that, you know, let's say do these horrific crimes, you know, and, and we want to lock them up forever. You know, we are responsible for raising these kids to a certain degree. I 100% agree. <laughs> Not, not even to a certain degree. Like if you, if you have children, it is your responsibility to raise that child and raise it with love, care, and be there for it financially and emotionally. But unfortunately we have, we live in a society where babies are having babies. You know, we have teenage kids having them and they're not, they're not set up for success for the most part. You know what I mean? Cause I mean, shoot, dude, when, when you were 16, dude, were you, did you want to be a parent? I, I did not. <laughs> well, I, I, no. I didn't, but you know, one of the things you said about babies having babies, you know, it's like, what do yeah. we, what do we see in television and stuff like that? What is love? You know what I mean? Like we get a distorted right. view of what love is and what family is. You know, we, we see the families on, on television, you know, like I grew up with the Brady Bunch and you know, maybe you grew up with the Cosby's, but we all got yeah. these views of what family was and it never looked like our families. It never did, Sean. It never did. At least in at least my era, we had the Simpsons, and I was like, "Oh, this kind of looks like my family." <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But here's Sorry, here's guys. here's a real thing, though. You know, we we put all the responsibility on the parents to raise kids and be active and this and that. But this is the issue. It goes back to labor. You know, we're economically imprisoned within our lives sometimes. You know, it's like right. you don't have a choice but to pay somebody to take care of your child because you have to work in order to make the money. You know. Um, and everybody, you know, is working. So who are you going to have watch the child? You know, um, my question is, is why isn't all of the ages included in the public school system? Why don't we start as early as early can get, you know what I mean? Make that available and make, that's a good idea. Actually. Make, make learn. Oh yeah. And it, it, to be honest with you, instead of, um, these parents paying so much money, it would be an investment into the families, you know? Because if we actually did that and paid for it with our taxes, instead of um, each parent having to support their own child and have that responsibility, we should do this right. collectively, you know. Um, but, you know, you, once again, you go back to the same issue with the way that our schools are being ran in the curriculums now. You know, I still feel like they shouldn't get anything but a bill, you know. But if, if children, let's say you at, you know, your, your child at one year's old, you have the ability to enroll them in school and, you know, places in, in other parts of the world, you get paid to stay home with that first year and take care of your child. You know, it's, yeah. it's similar to what unemployment is. And, and yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't offer those services here like that. No, no, they do not. no. How fast do we have to get back to work after we have children here? Shit, depending on how good your job is, it can be any anywhere from the very next day to maybe six weeks if you're lucky, Sean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's mater maternity leave is pretty damn quick. And uh, yeah, I remember uh, watching a documentary on Norway or whatever with their parenting systems and school structures. And like they said, I think it, it, some of them are even more than a year paid, Sean. It's 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 like, wow, why don't we have those kind of services here? Um now, what I'm going to do right at this moment is I'm going to send you a YouTube video and maybe over okay. the next week you could watch that. Okay. It is uh, a person's experience in, in labor trafficking here in this country. His okay. parents gave him over to a church that was supposed to be running a school and he got moved all around the country working in child labor. So before next That's week, awful. before next week, give that a watch and maybe we can I will. tap into that when we get into this school topic. Because I think, I don't think that you can separate either school or labor when it comes to children, because the parents have to work. And if we do not have some kind of real change in labor, we're never going to raise our kids effectively in this society. They're going to continue to have problems. Well, this has been Truth to Power. I am Curious G. Thanks for sticking through to the end of the episode and hearing what our two cents was on the topic of labor. Next week, we're going to be transitioning into the education system and 
Different Schools. This song is called Schooled. Someone changed the TV station to War of the World version Invasion. Yeah, I said it. Invasion. Am I crazy? Invaded seems to be the word. American Life cartoon absurd. Don't go to sleep or you shall join that herd. News. Headlines catch fish, not always true. They work, they net in the shallow pools. Fresh fish, yo, break from them schools. That's mind control, ship fools. Are we free, baby? Are we ruled? You asking me? Huh? I'm public school. Has old glory faded into rage? Rewrite pages, frame us unafraid. Caught up, we are. Overrated, tamed, devastated How do we see your face? Clear view, twist, hate, smack Distrust off the map Gone black, thinking test Rusted cage, trap Bird brains, wide cage, rap Newspaper left for trash Fuck headlines, framing minds for cash We lost our minds, somehow paid for gas No one rides for free, mindset Blast, enter, trained, trap Subtract Divide, y'all know the math, comprehend they is at your back Sky hijack, dunce out, same on fails attack Red pill matrix, type of facts Tension, tension, breaking news Headlines catch fish, not always truth They work, they net in the shallow pools Fresh fish, yo, break from them schools Mind control, ship fools Are we free, baby, are we ruled? You asking me, huh? I'm public school Educating away, tongue-tied, self-censor, unravel We saw the full shit years in school Dumbed down, we knew that trip Circle them, curriculum becomes news hot Hung out to dry Minimum wage lives, lifelong suicide Spheres, circle, gravity falls What we think goes from cuts to scars How we walk, it builds up walls How we is, drops down bars Contact high Feel that fall apart We think, are we apart? We are conformed, drowned, dead fish Dark pool, deeply give Letting ghouls shape how we think Imagine this, we the people You read my lips Sinking ship Attention, attention, breaking news Headlines catch fish, not always truth They work, they net in the shallow pools Fresh fish, yo, break from them schools That's mind control, ship the fools Are we free, baby, are we ruled, you asking me? Hmm. I'm